0: Would you turn your Bible, please, to Joshua chapter one, the first chapter of the book of Joshua. I might say we're thankful also to have Mrs. James Granger in the service this morning. I didn't see Ms. Granger. Where are you? Right over here. God bless you. It's a joy to have her back home today. She and her husband have been faithful part of our church and we love them and thank God for them. Today is Father's Day. We recognize and honor every father in the building this morning. And as we pray, before we go into the study of the scripture, I would like to ask every father in the auditorium to stand as we pray. Every father here today, would you stand please? All of our fathers. Look around, doesn't this bless your heart to see all of these men fathers of families may we unite together in prayer please our Father we thank thee for the Heavenly Father who promised no good thing would he withhold from those who walk uprightly we thank thee for each of these men who serves in the high office and responsibility of father thou hast given them a part in procreation bringing into this world precious young lives, and serving as a symbol of authority in those lives, teaching them and instructing them in the ways of God. We thank thee that these men have sensed a need in their life to come to God's house. We pray that the word of God will be alive and quick and powerful and sharp to each of these as well as to everyone else present and those who listen by radio. And may the lost be saved, and the saved yield in service to Christ, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In Joshua chapter 1, we read the first nine verses. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses my servant is dead now therefore arise go over this Jordan thou and all this people unto the land which I do give to them even to the every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon that have I given unto you as I said unto Moses from the wilderness and this Lebanon even unto the great river the river Euphrates all the land of the Hittites and under the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your border. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swore unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whether soever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Be very courageous, the Lord said to Joshua four times in chapter 1 of Joshua. Be very courageous. Moses is dead. Now Moses had two sons, Gershom and Eliezer. Always it's a joy to a daddy when his son has the privilege of standing in his place after he has been taken away. This has been true since the kings reigned and inheritance of kingship was passed down from son to father to son. This is true in many people's walks of life. Many fathers have wished for their son to follow in their train. But when Moses died, his two sons, Gershom and Eliezer, were not available to serve in the place of leadership in Israel. We do not know why they were not available. Perhaps they had taken the things of the Lord as commonplace. It is something greatly to be concerned about when a son growing up in a Christian home, in a godly home, having a godly mother and daddy, does not follow in the train of that godly mother and father, but rather forsakes the counsel of mom and dad and turns to his own way. Many times we have seen the spiritual life of a deeply devoted father taken for granted by a ruthless son On the other hand, many sons would like to follow in the steps of their father, but cannot because their father does not lead them to God. He only has a perfunctory duty toward God that seems to be fulfilled after the Sunday morning service. And from Sunday morning at 12.30 until the next Sunday morning, perhaps 9.30 at Sunday school, or 11 o'clock the morning service, that son does not see in that daddy the characteristics of godliness and industriousness, the characteristics of courage that he would like to follow in. However, with Gershom and Eliezer, they had a father they could have followed, but they did not. Some have believed it was because of Zipporah, the mother of those two sons, the wife of Moses, that she was not cooperative with him in training them in a spiritual walk. Whatever the reason, when Moses had to lay down the reins, Joshua was standing nearby. Joshua was a man after God's own heart long before David was ever born. Joshua was a man who, everywhere you would see Moses, you would see Joshua. He was a young man who never worried about the crowd saying, you're just trying to brown nose Moses. Joshua was always where Moses was. And it's something to be said about a young man who will get close to a man of God and stay close to that man of God during his teen years and during the early years of his life. This was the way it was with Joshua. There are some tremendous things said about Joshua in the scripture. God commissioned Joshua as his new leader. Joshua was the son of Nun of the tribe of Ephraim. That's all we know about Joshua's mother and daddy. He was the son of none. If we take that symbolically, it may mean that his father and mother were not even remembered in Israel because they were perhaps nobodies. But Joshua recognized in Moses somebody that awakened within him all of the challenges of his spiritual life. And he committed himself to be the henchman, the servant, of God's great man Moses. Joshua is first mentioned at the battle of Amalek where he led the forces of Israel. He became the servant of Moses accompanying him part of the way up Mount Sinai when the Decalogue or the Ten Commandments were given. He was the servant of God and Moses at the tent of the meeting. Joshua was one of the spies sent from Kadesh Barnea into the land of Canaan to look out the land You'll recall that Joshua and Caleb were the men of faith, the only two men of faith, the only adults, if you please, in all of Israel who were permitted later to enter the land of Canaan because because Caleb and Joshua stayed close by the side of Moses. And when the ten said, we cannot do it, Joshua and Caleb, men of faith, who learned that faith from Moses said, we can do it, we're well able to do it. Because the adults of the land would not, they wandered aimlessly for 40 years until all of that generation died in the wilderness. And only only Joshua and Caleb crossed into the land of Canaan as God's leaders over Jordan. There are seven golden characteristics of Joshua named in the Bible. He was a man of faith, according to Numbers 14, verses 6 to 8. That was when he went into the land of Canaan and said, we're well able to take the land. He was a man of utter, entire consecration, according to Numbers 32, 12. The scripture says there, they wholly followed the Lord. Entire consecration. In Joshua 3:5, we read about his spiritual mindedness. When Joshua said, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. In Joshua 5.14, we see the godly reverence that Joshua had for the things of the Lord. In Joshua 10.25, we see a man of deep courage. And in Joshua 11.15, a man of utter obedience to the will of God. And in Joshua 24.15, a man of decision. You choose whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, said Joshua. Now faith leads to all of these great characteristics. There are seven godly classic examples of men of faith listed in the scripture. Abraham in Genesis 22:8 8 is called a man of faith. He is the one who said to his son as they were approaching Mount Moriah and Isaac said, Father, here's the wood and here's the, here's the uh, fire, but where's the sacrifice? And prophetically Abraham said, Son, God will provide himself they sacrificed and so he did. Abraham, a man of faith. Caleb is called a man of faith in Joshua 14, 12. He said, I want that mountain. I want that mountain. And there were Amalekites and Ananakims on that mountain. And he said, I'm able to take it because God told me to do it. They moved out in faith and took it. Jonathan is called a man of faith in 1 Samuel 14:6. There was a great battle and Israel did not have enough forces and Jonathan said to his father and to the armies of Israel, the Lord is not concerned with, the, with how many soldiers we've got, but how much are our soldiers? There's no restraint with the Lord to save by few or by many. Let's go. And they went up and routed the enemy. David said in 1 Samuel 17, 37, the Lord will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. God will do it. And the, the Goliath giant fell with the first shot from his slingshot Job is said in 1925 to be a man of faith because he said I know that my redeemer liveth and on the earth he shall stand and though worms destroy my skin and my body yet in my flesh shall I see God. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were men of faith according to Daniel 3.17 they said our God is able to deliver us But if God chooses not to deliver us, we're not going to budge. We're going to trust God. Men of faith, and that's what God wants. We must be very courageous. In Acts chapter 27, verse 25, people have called Paul a man of faith because when the ship he was on was about to be shipwrecked, Paul said, I believe God. I've heard from God. I've got good news from God. Let's stay on the ship. None of us will be shipwrecked. And so it was, because he believed God. Henry Longfellow said, Lives of great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime, and departing leave behind us footprints in the sands of time. Footprints that perhaps another, sailing o'er life's solemn main, a forlorn and shipwrecked brother seeing, may take heart again. These men of faith can remind us that we too can be men of faith. Fathers we can be, fathers of faith faithful fathers and fathers of faith and this is what will honor God and this is what will cause young men and young women in the home to rise up one day and salute you and call you blessed because you're a father of faith there are specific promises to those who are faithful who have faith whose lives exude faithfulness in Matthew 21 22 we're told that God responds to faith by answering prayer in John 1:12, God responds to faith by calling you a son of God when you put your faith in Jesus. In John 14:12, we're told that God responds to faith by giving power to do greater things than Jesus did when He was here. When we have faith, in Hebrews 4:3, the Bible says that God responds to faith by giving soul rest, peace of mind, quiet of heart to that one whose faith is in the Lord. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee, Isaiah 26, 3. And in James 2, 5, there are spiritual inheritances to that one whose life is a life of faith. And in 1 Peter 2, 6, there are spiritual powers given to that one, extra powers given to that one who is a man of faith. And in 1 John 5, 14, we're told that God responds to faith by giving spiritual assurance. Somebody said to me at Beach Bend Park this morning, how can I really know I'm saved? How can I really know? I've wondered about it a long time. In 1 John 5, 12, the Bible says, These things have I written unto you who believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may K N O W, that you may know, not that you may hope, not you may think, not that you may pray, not that you can know if you hold that true to the end. But these things have I written unto you who believe, who have faith in the Son of God who put your trust in Jesus, that you may know that you have eternal life. I want us to note the three admonitions that were given to Joshua in verse eight. They're right in your Bible, three admonitions. And I hope you'll outline them and note them real carefully and remember them after today. This book of the law, number one, shall not depart out of thy mouth. Number two, thou shalt meditate therein day and night. And number three, Thou shalt, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. And when we accomplish those three things, verse 9 will take care of itself. Be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. But verse 9 cannot be a promise unless verse 8 is accepted as a challenge. And the only way the fulfillment of verse 9 can be a reality in men's lives and women's lives and young people's lives today is for verse 8 to become part of the woof of your life, part of the fiber of your life, part of the convictions of your life. Now what does that say? Those three admonitions, three exhortations, if we're to be courageous. Number one, the book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. This is the book of the law. The Bible, God's precious book, is the book of the law. Every day in Bible school this past week, our Bible school boys and girls have said, I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word, and will make it a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path, and will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. In Psalm 119, verses 9 and 11, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way, by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against God. And then the second admonition, Thou shalt meditate therein day and night. In Psalm chapter 1, Blessed is the man that sitteth not in the counsel of the ungodly, that standeth in the way of sinners, and so on, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. If you want courage in your life? If you want faith in your life, remember Romans ten seventeen: For faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And when we meditate on the word of God day and night, make it food for the morning, food for the noontime, food for the evening meal. And then all night long, meditate on the precious Word of God. There can't help but be courage in our lives. There can't help but be faith in our lives. And we'll get our eyes off of dollar signs. And we'll get our eyes off of beauty marks. And we'll put our eyes on God and keep our eyes where He wants them to be. We'll meditate in this Word, this blessed Word of God, day and night. And then the third admonition that thou mayest observe to do according to all that I have commanded thee, all that is written therein. In James chapter 2, rather chapter 1, verses 22 and twenty-two and 23, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a mirror. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and immediately forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth in it, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. We're reminded here to be a doer of the word, and not a hearer only. It's one thing for us to hear the word of God. Many of you have come for years, and you've sat and heard the word of God, but you've never done it. You've never done it. The Bible says, don't be a a hearer of the word, a doer of it. He that's a hearer of the word is like a guy that looks in a mirror and he sees an ugly splash on his face and he ignores that mirror and says the mirror must be wrong. I don't feel that I have any ugly splash on my face. I don't feel any different. That mirror must be wrong. Ladies and gentlemen, when we look into the word of God and we see it weighing us, and speaking to us and giving us admonitions, then we need to follow it and obey it and do it. One of the best places I know to find what God would have a godly man to do is found in 1 Timothy chapter 3, where the Holy Spirit presents the responsibilities and qualifications for a man who would serve in the office of responsibility in the Lord's house, the office of a deacon. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, listen to this. Now this is not only looking into the law of liberty, not only looking into the book, but obeying it, doing what it says. Listen to what it says. Beginning in verse 8, in like manner must a deacon be grave. That means sincere. If you want to do what the word of God says to do, then read this and practice it. Be sincere. The word grave means sincere, weighty with your words. Don't just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Weigh what you say, think it through, pray it through, and be sincere so that you can stand behind what you say. Be not double-tongued. That is, don't say one thing to one crowd and another thing to another crowd. Stand firm for what you believe. Get some convictions. It's good to be diplomatic. It's good good to be kind to everyone. It's good to wear a smile on our face and be as gracious and gentle and kind and real to people as possible but wrong and sinful and wicked is that man who says to one crowd one thing and then says to another crowd another thing we need some convictions that'll stand the test that's what he's saying here and not given to much wine he needs to be right on the liquor question a man who would who'd have his children rise up to call him blessed needs to be right on the liquor question it has never been god's will for a man to be all confused and mixed up on liquor. The Bible says wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging and whosoever is deceived thereby is what? Not wise. You want to be wise? Then don't get deceived by liquor. You say, what do you mean deceived by it? Well, I've never heard of an alcoholic who didn't take the first drink. Have you? Never heard of a drug addict who didn't take the first pill or shot or whatever it is you take. The way to be true to what this is saying is to be right on the question. And these little old people, pygmy dwarf Christians who walk around and say, I'm going to take my little social drink because everybody else is doing it. And they put their finger out there and they drink it. I want to tell you they're disobeying God's word. God says, whosoever is deceived, thereby is not wise. I don't care who you are. You may come to church every Sunday, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. You may be here all the time. But if you're not doing what God wants you to do on this question, then you're wrong. That's what God says. Be right on the liquor question. Now, you can get mad at me and leave and say, well, I'm going to find some other church. You go find them. you would probably be more happy and more at home there. You can drink your liquor over there best thing to do is bring your own life bring your own life in subjection to what god says you want to be a man of courage i see i get so disgusted with these silly signs up here it says be a man of distinction they ought to say be a man of extinction way the best way to get extinct is to drink it and go out on the highways One of the most foolish things I ever heard in my whole life was when we gave liquor licenses to those places up at the interchange, I-65 interchange, and I want to commend Charlie Wilson and other men who stood true on issues like that, against that. Here we have filling stations where they can just drive up and fill up with liquor and go out and wobble all over the highway and kill people. Did you know I appreciated what this man said who stood here last Sunday, he said, We've uh, waved banners about get out of Vietnam and how mar- murderous and awful it is to kill people in Vietnam, and yet more people have been killed on the highways of America by liquor in the last 13 years, much, much more than were ever killed in Vietnam because of the war when our men were out there fighting for what they thought were spiritual principles. I don't hear very many amens this morning, but whether you like it or not, it's true. And I love you. I just want to tack that on. I love you, don't I, Lloyd? I love you. But I want to tell you the truth. You want to be courageous? Listen to God's word and do it. Let's go on. The man that God would use must not be guilty of filthy lucre. Dollar signs cannot be the big important thing in your life. And if they are, something is wrong with you. You have gotten your eyes off of Jesus and you've let an old dollar bill get between your eyes and Jesus. Look at here. I don't know whether you even got a dollar. Yes, here's one. And you get a dollar and you put it like that. You just try it. Not many of you have dollars left after we took the offering this morning, I hope. But if you've got a dollar, just get it out and put it like that. See, you can't see anything but the dollar. And that's the way most of you are. Blindfolded by dollar bills and nickels and dimes and quarters and thousand dollar bills. You'd rather have that than to serve the Lord. You can't be courageous and you can't be God's servant, and you can't be the man that God will honor with dollar bills, signs in your eyes. Now, I will tell you, this doesn't mean that the Bible says you can't have some money. <laughs> I believe God honors people that put him first, and God prospers them. There's nothing wrong with having some money, and we ought to pay our bills, and we ought to do all those things. We ought to put Jesus first in our lives. There's nothing wrong with having some money but don't let that money control you. You be sure to control it. That's what it's talking about here. Not guilt, gu- guilty of filth, the filthy lucre. Verse 9, that man that God would honor will hold the mystery of the faith and a pure conscience. You know what that means? That means that he doesn't get all upset when he hears something he can't understand. He hears about the uh, virgin birth of Jesus, and he says, well, I don't understand it. It must not be true. A man that God will honor believes what God says whether he understands it or not. It's true because God said There are a lot of things we're going to find out before this world is over that God said. We didn't understand them. You know, a few years ago, and they're still teaching uh, 1st Isaiah, Dutero-Isaiah, Trito isaiah and some people don't even believe there was an Isaiah. I was interested when the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered at Ram, that the whole book of Isaiah, just as we have it, dates back to before the time of Jesus. They'll find other copies and go on back and the books of, the, of Moses, the books of the law, maybe they're hidden under the sands of the sea, sands of uh, Israel over there. Uh, archaeology is just beginning, just coming into its own in Israel. And we're going to find many other things if the Lord tarries. But a man of faith needs to hold the mystery of his faith in a pure conscience. And again, in verse 6, let these first be proved. He needs to be a man who is proven. People can recognize him that he has an honest report. Let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Now when a man is elected as a deacon or a man is serving in the Lord's work, he needs to be available to be used. He needs to be available. What in the world kind of a thing is this that a man says, well, I'll serve the Lord, but don't expect me to be in church on Sunday night. I'll serve the Lord, but don't expect me to be there on Wednesday night. I'll serve the Lord, but preacher, I don't believe in this thing you call soul winning or visiting. I just can't do that. The Bible says that a man who is going to be the godly man that God will honor, that God will will use, is going to be a man like Joshua and a man like Moses. You know what those guys that surrounded Joshua said to him in the last chapter, last verse of the first chapter of Joshua? They said, Joshua, brother Joshua, Now, Moses had a lot of murmurers that complained about him, and they grumbled all the way through his ministry. Joshua, we're going to tell you something. If that happens in your ministry, we're going to kill them. They're not going to do that to you, Joshua. But listen, Joshua, you keep your eyes on the Lord. Be firm, be courageous, be faithful, and we're not going to let anybody get in your way. Those were the kind of men that surrounded Joshua. Four times. Four times god said be very courageous and the only way a man can be very courageous is take this book and hide it in his life and let it exude from his life a life of love and fidelity and faithfulness again he must be found blameless and then there's a whole catalog of lists about his wife and so on we won't go into that but ladies and gentlemen if the man of god is to be faithful if he is to be the kind of man god can use then He will be used of God, and God will use him. Listen to this. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchase to themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. I haven't really preached on deacons this morning, because this is a standard for every godly man. Not just deacons. This is a standard for every man. Whoever you are, young man, old man, whether you ever serve as a deacon or not, these are godly standards for you. And you know, when God called me to preach, I tried to tell our Sunday school class this morning, I had to qualify myself. I had to get ready because I wasn't ready. I was bashful and shy and backward and and a lot of things in my life that weren't there that should have been and some things in my life that were there that shouldn't have been. And I could have easily said, "Now, Lord, you know what you're doing. Uh, you pass over me and some other day maybe when I'm more ready you come back and maybe I can serve I want to tell you one of the greatest challenges that can ever come to our life is for you to even be here this morning and hear this message because God laid it on my heart and I believe that God wants to work a wonder a marvel in many men's lives I believe God wants men to rise up and say I will be a man of God I will be faithful regardless of the cost I'm going to put the Lord on the throne of my life. I want him to be first. The Bible says in Daniel 12:3, They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and forever. You want to be faithful to the Lord? You want to be the kind of man that God can use? Then be a hundred percenter to the Lord. Commit your all to the Lord. Don't stand back on the, co- on the cause of anything. If it's true that Moses was hindered because of Zipporah, you'd never detect it by Moses' life. Now you detect it maybe in his sons, Gershom and Eliezer. But if Moses had problems with Zipporah, if she really wasn't all that she ought to have been, if she wasn't as godly as she should have been, if she wasn't as faithful, if she did not attend all the meetings, You'd never detected by looking at Moses because he went right on like a solid rock. Now men, keep your eyes on Jesus. No man ever has a right to let his wife or his children or his mother or daddy or anybody else get his eyes off of the Lord. God wants us to keep right on, keeping on. Let's close our eyes in prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. In just a moment, we're going to pray. I want to ask something this morning. It's a little bit unusual. I love the men of our church.